Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. I want to invite you to go over to the book of John. We're going to look at John chapter 5 and verse number 1. If you didn't bring a Bible, no worries. It will be on the screen. John chapter 5. We're going to look at verse number 1 and go all the way through verse number 9. For those of you who are taking notes, your first note can be this. Your friends... How many of you have friends? Anybody in here have friends? Five. Look, uh, there are people without their hands up. Now, all of you who have your hands up, go see the people who need some friends. Uh, so out of this, uh, your friends determine the quality and the direction of your life. Uh, in fact, uh, let's personalize it. My friends determine the quality and the direction of my life. In fact, why don't we all say it together at Highland Colony online. You say it too. Let me hear you today here at Lakeland. Let's say it together. Say my friends, my friends determine the quality and the direction of my life. People who study people say this, you are the sum and accumulation of the five relationships that are closest to you. Now think about that. Uh, In fact, this would be a worthy point of meditation, you know, as you're meditating on this message, asking the Holy Spirit what he wants to say to you through it, uh, throughout the course of this week, when you're looking at my friends shape the quality and the direction of my life, uh, and I am the sum total of the five closest people to me, you might want to list who those people are, who you think is closest to you. And what I would say is they say across the board, the people who study people do, that your life will mirror theirs physically relationally, uh, financially, um, all those areas are impacted by the law of proximity, that who you're around, you are becoming, that who you're beholding, you are becoming. And I I just, I have to put you in in, in mindfulness of this, and it's it's real big in my heart. So without further ado, let's just dive in to John chapter 5. John 5 and verse number 1, it says this, and after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there was a Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which in the Hebrew tongue was called Bethesda, because it had five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, uh, people who could not walk, who were blind and halt and withered, and they were waiting for a moving of the water. And this is so fascinating. For an angel went down at certain seasons into the pool, troubled the water, and whoever then first got uh, into the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease he or she had. And there was a certain man who was there who had an issue For 38 years. And Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that he had been there for a long time in that case, and he said unto him, Will you be made whole? And the impotent man answered him and said, Sir, I don't have anybody. I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me, and Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked on that same day. It was the Sabbath. 
Now, for the last couple of weeks, for me personally, I have been meditating on scriptures like these, people who were stuck, who then got released. And this man was stuck in this condition, uh, dealing with this same issue for years. Uh, Is there an issue in your life that you've been wrestling with for a long time? Um, maybe a couple of months, or maybe for some of you it's actually been years where you're circling around the same mountain and your life is not making any progress because this issue is not changing. This guy was in that place, and Jesus comes to him and he asks him this, this question that on the surface could be very offensive. But it's like, do you really want to get well? Uh, do you want to? And you would think, of course, it's like, well, this is the reason why I'm laying here. Like, I, I believe that there's a chance to get well. But he begins to make all of these excuses as to why he's not. This is what I don't have. This is who I don't have. And he's so focused on what he doesn't have that he doesn't see Jesus right in front of him. Oh, come on, somebody. His life has gotten so fixed on who has not been there for him and what has not happened to him that has happened to other people that he has lost sight of what he has in his life. Have you ever been at that place where you're so looking at the lives of others, uh, are so looking at what your life doesn't have that you didn't see what you did And he lists all of these reasons as this is why I'm stuck here. This is why I haven't made uh, any progress. It's because of these people and it's because of these events. And Jesus is there. And the Lord has been really dealing with my heart of the power of faith and that we need collectively as a body. And when I say we, I literally mean you and me. Like this is not for somebody random Literally think, you right now, uh, that you need to get in faith. And the reason why is because faith is the tool that throughout Scripture has unlocked the power of God. I, I, I sometimes wish the power of God would just fall on people, like ripe cherries on a cherry tree, that it just fell and it happened. But throughout Scripture, you don't see needy people just getting healed, getting blessed, getting set free. You see a woman trapped in the same condition, hearing that Jesus is walking by her house, make a decision to press through everything to get to Jesus. And she touched the hem of his garment. And when she did, watch what Jesus says in Mark 5 and verse 34. He said unto her daughter, your faith hath made you whole. And that term has just been so big in my heart uh, that you need a your faith. A your faith moment where you make up your mind that whatever I have to press through to get to Jesus, I will press through to get to Jesus. And for her, it was actual people. But for you, it may be pressing through your discouragement, pressing through your disappointment, pressing through your rejection, pressing through your religion. Uh, pressing through bad habits, pressing through a new morning routine. But whatever it takes, I'm getting hold of Jesus. And when she touched the hem of his garment, he's like, daughter, your faith has made you whole, not my power. Now, he felt power go out of him. But he said, daughter, it was your faith that did it. 
And, and I'm telling you, throughout Scripture, it's Jesus coming to people asking, get in faith. Why do you have such little faith? Constantly trying to position them to get them into a your faith moment. And I, I want to encourage you, like in your life, this is something that we have to get to, is a, a moment where you just make up your mind, I'm not making any more excuses about my dysfunction. Uh, I'm not sitting here talking about who I don't have. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and talk about what didn't happen. I'm not going to sit here and complain about who walked out. I'm not going to sit here and throw myself a pity party uh, and, and invite as many people as I can to talk about how unfair life is. I'm getting up. I'm taking up my mat. And the thing that has held me for 38 years, I'm now going to hold it. I am not going to allow this to be my story when Jesus is right here. And I'm telling you, that's what faith says. Faith gets over who's not there. Faith gets over what didn't happen. Faith gets over the 38 years of disappointment. And faith sees Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith, and makes a decision to act like what he said is actually true. And I'm telling you, we need it. And this is why. This is why we're losing a, a culture. And this is why we're losing a world. Uh, because our faith has only stood in the wisdom of men and not the power of God. And it cannot be fancy preaching any longer, and it cannot be Instagram moments any longer or about fashion any longer. It needs to be about a people who absolutely know how to tap into the power of God and be like, you want to know why I'm a Christian? Look at this. And we can show them testimonies of the goodness of God in the land of the living. Our own proverbial Isaacs, seas splitting, mountains moving, God's stories where God intervened. And you know when God intervened? When somebody somewhere got in faith. You need a your faith moment. Like You need a your faith moment where you, you make a decision and just say, I'm going to believe God, and I'm going to press through, and I'm going to see a miracle. And, and I know I, I said this in, in our past messages, but it's absolutely just not about the miracle. I, I, if I could get you to do anything this week, it, it would be to read Hebrews chapter 11, that it's not about the miracle. It's about pleasing God. And it's out of this, when you make a decision to get in faith, you please the Lord and, and you see miracles. And then there were other people who died in faith, not having received the promise, but receive, embracing it and holding it from afar off. And the Bible says, and God was not ashamed to be called their God. They acted like they had one. And, and what I want is to raise up people who are in faith, striving to see uh, God move in their life, like these your faith moments where, like I said, you just get rid of the excuses. You just stop with it. Just, just stop with it. And I, I fully understand as someone who has had some really tragic things happen in their life, how easy it is to use those tragic things as a reason why I'm not seeing more progress. I fully understand it. And I fully get it because as a pastor of 19 years, not only have I seen my fair share of tragedy, but I have walked with a lot of other people through theirs. And I'm telling you, the people who get up and walk, they are the people who stop using the tragedy as an excuse as to why they're still laying there. And they make a decision to get up and hold the thing that's been holding them and say, no longer will I keep using this and expect to lose it. I'm going not, not to lose the excuses. I'm not going to use them any longer. And I'm going to get up. 
And so through this series, that's what I've been fighting for, is to get you in a position where you're fighting the fight of faith on the field of battle, uh, shield of faith in, in hand and sword of the spirit in the other, and you stand up in an evil day and you fight, fight for your destiny and fight for your family. But it was interesting as I was meditating on that this week, and I went back to John chapter 5 for me, the Lord began to, sh to show me something in this scripture that I had never seen or studied out before. And I, I saw something in, in the, the lives of even my children, and I, I began to just kind of meditate on these things, and the Lord really dealt with me to share about them this weekend. And I, I want you to see this together in John chapter 5 and verse 7. Uh, they'll put this up on the screen. And there was an impotent man answering him and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Now watch what the impotent man says. He says this, I have no man. And as I was reading that this week, the Holy Spirit just reminded me, just dealt with my heart about another impotent man in Scripture. He was a man who could not walk, he could not move, but he had four crazy faith friends in his life who made a decision to pick their friend up and take him to Jesus. In this story, in John 5, Jesus had to come to a man who was laid there for 38 years who had no man. But in the other story, in Luke chapter 5, we see Jesus uh, be teaching in a house and four crazy faith friends pick up uh, a friend in the same condition as this other man. And they came and they said, we're not gonna leave you this way. Aren't you thankful for friends who are not going to leave you this way? Uh, people who encourage your faith. Can, can I just take a time out just real quick and ask, do you have that? Do you have people who are like, you know where we're going to th with this? We're going to Jesus. And th they pick him up and they take him to Jesus and they get to the house. You know the story. There's no room for them in the house. Uh, and so they, they, they make a decision to not be discouraged nor denied. And like I said, in Christianity, you've got to make up your mind. I will not be discouraged nor denied or offended. And, and so they, they climb up the house. Like, this is just epic. They climb up the house, tear the roof off, and lower their friend down before Jesus. They laid their friends at the feet of Jesus. I said that in the, the, the 10 o'clock service. And man, the, the Holy Spirit just began to deal with my heart about being a better friend. And just in prayer, taking my friends to the feet of Jesus more. And being like, Jesus, see their need. Move in their life. And that's what these friends did. And that's what this man had. In John 5, I have no man. The water is moving. God is moving. But he literally had no person to pick him up and put him in the water. This other man, he's got four crazy faith friends in his life, tearing roofs off. And Jesus, watch this in Luke 5, when he sees the friends of this other man doing this, he says, when he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, your sins are forgiven of thee, and you know the story, this man rose and walked too. When he saw their faith, Man, you need a your faith. You, you have to learn how David had everyone in his life walk out on him. And honestly, a lot of people who were close to him want to kill him. And out of this, make up your mind in that moment that I will encourage myself in the Lord if there is no one else to encourage me. You've got to learn how to do that. You've got to learn how to have a your faith 
But can I tell you, you also need a their faith in your life, that you are where you are with Jesus because someone else took you there, that their faith collectively came alongside you and propelled you, that you don't just have a stirring in your life that God could do something more or take you deeper in the waters of his Holy Spirit, but you don't have some friends who are taking you into it. Like you need a their faith. There are some things you're not going to get into without a their faith. Throughout the origin of scripture, you know, you hear me say this all the time, but in Genesis 1, the origin of scripture was not let me, it was let us. God from the origin of scripture was the blessed three in one. He makes everything and says, it is good. It's all good until he sees man alone. Not with wrong people. When he sees man alone, and he walks man walking with him alone and says, this is not good. And ever since then, God's been trying to get people in community. He's been trying to, to connect people, sending out the disciples two by two, Jesus making food, inviting people to eat with him. Did you ever notice how relational Jesus was, constantly placing his life, not just in a context of pulling away from the multitudes to be with God, but also pulling into the multitudes to take his relationship with them and God Father. That Jesus, one of his most intimate moments with God came in the context of Peter, James, and John being there with him. That, that when God spoke to him openly on both occasions, it was in the context of other people there with him. The first time with John, when John baptized him and the Holy Spirit spoke over his life openly for all to hear. And the next time when Jesus was transfigured upon the mount with his three closest friends. That some of Jesus' most affirming and strong spiritual moments came in the context of not just a relationship with God, but a relationship with others. You need a your faith. But friends, I'm telling you, you need a their faith. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it struck me. I, and I, I've been thinking about this context for a while to like how I would use this story. And every weekend... Literally, every weekend I was going to use it. It just didn't fit. Had it in my notes, thought I could say it, never got to it. But it never stopped. It just lingered. And I know whenever it lingers, it's always because the Holy Spirit has something specific uh, he wants to communicate. And I believe it was for this service particularly. There was uh, a lady I listened to by the name of Kristen Kane. And she was talking about uh, an event in her life uh, that uh, she got hurt physically. She went skiing with her husband and some friends, their faith. You know, you got to get together in the context of community. So they went together to go skiing, to have fun and fellowship. And she was not a great skier, uh, and all of her friends were. Her husband was a better skier than her, but he doesn't want to leave her while everybody else is doing the hard things. So he stays right there with her, like on kind of the baby slopes. And, uh, you know, she looks over, and they can actually see their friends going up the lift to go down to some of the, you know, more extreme, you know, slopes and that kind of thing. And she turns to her husband, Nick, and she says, I bet you were with them, don't you? Uh, you want to be with them, don't you? And, and, you know, everyone knows if your husband, the answer to that question is absolutely not, honey. Like, if I could be anywhere on this mountain, it would be with you. Uh, and that type of thing. But instead, he said, you're right, I would, I would prefer to be with them. Kind of poking with her. Well, she said it poked the bear. And she said, well, honey, eat my snow. And she turned around to go down the hill as fast as she could uh, to kind of prove a point. Uh, but she did a somersault and then another somersault. And when she went on that second one, she heard something pop. 
and a dramatic injury happened to her leg. She tore her ACL, MCL, uh, one other thing, and cracked her knee, meniscus, um, and cracked her knee, like bad injury. And she said, I was sitting there in so much pain, and she said, like, you know, everybody rushes over. And I thought that was interesting. She didn't say this, but I thought it was interesting just in the context of life. Uh, that oftentimes when we go through like a real traumatic event, how everyone rushes over. And it's good. Uh, we need them for the initial hurt. But did you know that after that initial hurt is over, you need them even there more for the healing? And it's amazing how many people are there for the hurt, but how few there are for the healing. And she, she has this happen, whole rush of people, and they, they take her, and she gets in to see the doctor, and the doctor tells her the injury, and of course it's bad. And, you know, it's just her and the doctor in the room, and, and he tells her. He, he says, now, the injury you had was pretty severe. He said, but based off of technology and surgeries that we have now, your, your knee can actually come back stronger, and your leg can actually come back stronger. But he said this phrase, and I stopped, pulled over, and wrote it down. He said, the pain of your healing will be greater than the pain of your hurt. He said, when, when you went through that, that injury, it hurt. And she's like, it did. He's like, I'm telling you, though, that pain was short-term. He said, but if you want to heal right, the pain of your healing is going to be greater than the pain of your hurt. And for weeks now, I've been meditating on that. I haven't, it hasn't left my heart. And I'm like, God, when am I going to talk about that? And he, he broke it down a little bit more, and I began to just process this in my own life. He said, when you get home, you have to stretch and move. And you've got to do it in private. And he's like, if you don't, it won't heal. He said, you have the choice to heal quickly or slowly. You have the choice to heal wholly or partially. And there are some people who have the surgery who heal wholly, and they're actually stronger than they were before the injury. But he said, there are a whole lot of other people who only heal partially. And for the rest of their life, they walk with a limp. And he said, the reason why is they didn't want to go through the pain of the healing. They didn't want to do it. And so the stretches that I told them to do, they hurt, so they stopped doing them. And the exercises I told them to do, it hurt, so they stopped doing them. And he's like, you've got to do it in private, Christine. And then he said, and then you need to come see me. And he said, the reason why you need to come see me is I'm going to stretch you past the limit where you would have stopped. That there's, you felt the pain and you thought if I keep going in this direction, it'll hurt too much. But if you don't break through that pain barrier and come in the context of someone else helping you push past that pain, he's like, I'm telling you, you'll never heal wholly. You've got to go through the pain of healing. 
And I just really sense, like there are some people in this room, specifically in, in right now at this service, watching this online, sitting in Highland Colony, sitting in this room here at Lakeland. There's some of you going through this room that maybe even here recently, you've gone through a pain of hurt. Something hurts you. It hurts you. And I'm telling you, you can heal quickly or you can heal slowly. You can heal partially or you can heal wholly. And what's going to make the difference is if you'll go through the pain of healing. You've got to learn how to pray when you don't feel like praying. You got to learn how to worship when you don't feel like worshiping. You got to learn how to sing when you don't want to sing. You got to learn how to dance when you don't feel like dancing. You got to learn how to talk when everything's in you telling you to be silent. You got to learn how to tell the truth when it's much easier to tell a lie. You, you've got to learn how to open up. You, you've got to learn how to tell somebody what you're going through and be truthful about it because 90% truth is still 10% lie, and 10% lie still keeps you 100% bound. But truth will set you free. And if you're acting like it did not hurt when it did and you keep lying to yourself and lying to everyone else, the pain of healing is not happening in your life. And if you don't go through that pain of healing, you'll never fully recover from the pain of that hurt. And it takes a lot privately. And you've got to have, like I said, a Jacob-type moment a couple of Sundays ago, a Jacob-type moment where privately you wrestle with God and you make up your mind, I'm not letting go of you, God, until you bless me. I'm not letting go of this until you move in my life. Like, I'm not a passive Christian like Naaman coming to the prophet and being like, Pastor Joel or somebody will just wave their hand over me and I'll be well. No, you got to go dip in that water. And that's a type and shadow of the water of the Holy Spirit and the water of the Word of God. And it's not one dip. you got to go back and dip and dip and dip and dip and dip until you come out whole. Because I wish there was a service that we could just come in and the power of God would just meet you so strongly that all of a sudden you're fully healed. But I'm telling you, most of the times our healing does not come through somebody waving their hand over us. It comes through dipping in the water again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And then we come out of it and we see the Holy Spirit and the Word of God has done something in me. And so many people get offended because they're like, I went to church and nothing changed. And God said, you got to dip. That in private, we've got to have a your faith. Press in, open up. But I also know in the context of everything I know about humans and everything I know about myself and watching my kids, it's so fascinating this season of life that I'm in. Because I've always watched myself, and of course I've always watched others. I read your emails and I'm like, whoa, I didn't know you could go through that. Uh, so like, I'm like, you know, I'm always watching you and I'm watching myself and I'm pastoring people, but now I'm old enough to watch my kids like process things. And I see with my kids as they become adults and like these little human, like they're, they're, they're killing the boy and becoming a man and uh, like all of these types of things. I'm like, this is amazing and scary all at the same time. I'm like, thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. But anyway, in watching this, I've noticed one of the chief things that matters to me is are they in good community? And I'll, I'll be honest and say, uh, like, if they're around people who are doing bad things, like, I know I got to fight to get their, that out of their life. And I tell my kids this, and I'll tell you this too, that if you're around people that make you dumb down your conscience, 
that you have to turn down your conscience when they talk or when they act, and something on the inside of you is just making you turn down the volume of your inner voice telling you this is not good and this is not right, you're in something dangerous. You have to turn down your conscience when you're around someone. Do you have to hide someone? It's, I tell my kids this the most. I'm like, here's how I know if you've got friends uh, that you should have. You want to bring them to the house. Because if you feel the pressure to hide someone from the people you respect the most, something is wrong. Out of these types of things, are they aiming for more? Do you have people in your life who are reaching for more? Like, I, I feel so strongly like these types of things, like for my kids. But as I was thinking and processing this, like the Lord really dealt with me about life groups and really challenged me. He's like, do you believe that this is something just like a cute thing that the church offers, or do you really believe in this? I'm like, I think I really believe in it. He's like, with your, friend, with your children, your natural children, do you see how hard you try to fight to keep them out of wrong relationships and how hard you try to fight to get them in right ones? I'm like, yeah, I do. He's like, are you putting up that same kind of fight with your spiritual kids? Are you fighting to make sure that they have relationships in their life that are not toxic? And are you fighting to get them in community where they can find good Christian friends? I'm like, not like I should. And today this changes because I know that there are a lot of people in our church who have only healed partially. And a lot of people in this room who have only healed partially. And you do your best to hide it, but you still walk with a limp. And you don't have to. I don't care how bad the trauma was or how bad the hurt was, you don't have to walk with that limp. Jesus is here, but we are too. And you need a your faith, but we want to help you get to him too. Do you have that? Do you have friends in your life that are taking you to Jesus? And here's what I've seen. I told, I told my kids this because I had two, I have three kids. Two of three are in that season where they're looking for friends, like they're in that season. And man, that's just so tough as a parent, like trying to get your kids in community and like really wanting them to feel acceptance because rejection is real and it hurts to be rejected. And so we, it's just easier to do life alone sometimes than it is to, to risk rejection. But what I've told my kids is life experience has taught me this. Uh, the wrong people are easy to find. <laughs> it's not hard uh, to find the wrong people. The right people, though, it takes courage and bravery to step out of your comfort zone and to go find them. But if you want to heal wholly, I'm telling you, it's amazing how some of God's best work comes through the hands of other people. They will lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. God could have healed any way, any way he wanted to. He does it through hands. They will lay their hands on you. You will be well. And you need that. And just like you need to fight for your faith, you need to fight for their faith. 
because you'll do some stretching of that hurt with the right people. You'll pray uh, with the right people harder than you ever would alone. You'll worship with the right people. You'll, you'll read the word of God longer with the right people than you ever will alone. You need some people who, who can take you out to lunch and make you laugh. You need some people you can laugh with and cry with and mourn with. You, you need some people who can put you in the water when it's stirring. You need some people who you can go to church with, who you can sit with. You need some people you can, you can go to eat with after church. You need some people that you can call when you're, you're scared because of what's going on in the life of one of your, your kids and they, they pray for you. I never will forget when my, my, my wife's mom was real sick and we thought she was gonna die. And man, you talk about a your faith moment. I can remember being in the hospital room and their family coming around me and my wife's family coming around me and they had made, the doctors had told us all to get up there because they, they told us she's gonna die. It's the worst case in the ICU. It's the worst one. And y'all need to come up here to say goodbye. So we drove in from all over and we're there and we're wondering what we're gonna pray. And I had a moment where I'm with their, my wife's family and my wife and I'm wondering what kind of prayer am I gonna pray? Am I gonna pray just for peace? Or am I gonna pray for a God of miracles? And I've had moments like that where I prayed for a God of miracles and didn't see one. But I've had other moments like that case where I prayed for a God of miracles and somebody, they said they were gonna die. And then they said, well, she might not die after that prayer, but she'll be a vegetable. And then after that, they said, well, she might not be a vegetable, but she'll never be able to read or write or drive a car. Well, she, she does all those things today. I mean, it's amazing, the goodness of God. You need a your faith. Somebody somewhere standing, believing in a God who says exactly who he says he is. You need a your faith. But I never will forget that weekend was Easter. And we had some friends who I called my wife and they said, don't worry about Easter and the baskets and the kids. And we came home to the best Easter basket and that Easter egg hunt the kids had that they ever had in their life. I never will forget how hard my wife cried. What it meant to her to have a their faith. You have that. There was a time in me and my wife's life where all we had was each other and we were fine with it. I didn't know we needed anything else. We had us and our three kids. I'm like, we're good. And the Lord came and he dealt with me and he said, what you're doing is not healthy. It's not good for you and it's not good for your wife. He especially dealt with, my wife, with me about my wife. He said, your wife is gonna need support from a lot of people. So you need to extend the network of your connectedness to a lot of people. And you need to put yourself out there, ask a lot of people for lunch, go to a lot of conferences. Me and my wife go to conferences, sit in the back. We get there a little late, sit in the back, leave before the first, and God's like, I want you to get there early, and I want you to stay a little longer. Introduce yourself to some people. Ask some people for some coffee. He said, it's not just for you, it's for your wife. She needs it. I'm like, no, she doesn't. She says, she, she's, and she didn't at the time. You asked her, she's like, no, I don't want to do that. It's like, I just want to go home and put on my pajamas. I'm like, I understand, me too. But now we look at our lives, and I'm amazed at the their faith we have. It has enriched us and helped us in ways I didn't even know it could. 
And I'm challenging you. There's some people in this room uh, and some people who are watching at Highland Colony that you're here and you have healed partially. You know it and you need a their faith because you need to heal wholly. You need to get around some good people. There are other people in this room, you've been around a, a lot of wrong people and you need to get Lot out of your life because Lot and you are headed in two opposite directions. But there are other people in this room, you thought, you, you, I've been fine. You have your faith and you're well. But you need to come back to their faith because it might not just be about you. It might be what they need too. Let me pray for you. I'll pray. Father, we come before you, and I just thank you for each and every person who's here, who's at Highland Colony, who's watching online. And, Father, I just thank you that you help those who have healed partially to heal wholly. That, Father, you help those who, who need to separate from Lot. That, Father, you, you just move in their life to give them the courage to be the men and women you've called them to be and to separate from whatever they need to separate from. And for those who need to put themselves out there to go and fight for community, Father, I thank you that they put themselves out there and they put up that fight to bring good people in. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you need a touch from Jesus, I don't know what for, Maybe it's something going on in your marriage, something going on in your body, something going on in your heart, just a discouragement or a, a fear. God can make all grace abound towards you. He just needs your surrender. And if you're here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, and that's you, would you just lift your hand up to the Lord today? All over the room, anybody, anybody, anybody. Hands going up, all over the room. Amazing, amazing, amazing. This is different. This is just saying, I need a touch from Jesus today. Now, everybody in here, let's just all keep our head bowed, eyes closed. Let's just lift our hands up to the Lord Jesus I just like to put mine in kind of like a receiving posture of like I'm going to receive something. And I just want to pray over you right now. Father, I thank you for each and every person who's here. Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. He's our comforter. He's our strengthener. He's an ever-present help in a time of trouble. He is an advocate. He is a standby. He's a strengthener. And so, Father, I thank you right now. Your Holy Spirit flows and moves in this place and strengthens the hearts, the minds, and the bodies of each and every person who's here. Father, I thank you. Those who've been wrestling with sin feel the amazing grace of your Holy Spirit washing them right now and cleansing them, making them whiter than snow. Father, I thank you for those who need a touch of grace in their soul and in their relationships. Father, we command fear to go and just a rush of your peace right now. Fill and flood hearts and minds in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for those who need a touch of you in their body. That, Father, your healing power flows right now into their bodies, quickening 
giving them life and victory and health, kidneys and and blood. You line up and you work perfectly. Ligaments and any anything that has arthritis in it. You, you just be healed and made well right now by the grace of Jesus. Father, glorify Jesus. Father, for those who are going through just some real hurtful things in relationships right now, maybe it's with a, a spouse or a child or a parent, Father, I just speak grace over that. And those mountains that seem so big, by God's grace, you become molehills that people are able to walk right over. We say families and relationships are coming out and over in Jesus' name. Love is coming back into homes right now in Jesus' name. Father, be glorified and glorify your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Let's celebrate Jesus today. Come on, church. Let's just celebrate him.